Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. So we have shipped edibles that can go into the states like Indiana that don't have a um, regulated cannabis or THC market at the point. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back, my friends. This is the Cannamom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry. Thanks for joining us today. So, Dave, I wanted to share these words of praise for the Cannamom Show. Okay, so remember a few weeks ago, I spoke with Sarah Chase of the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation. Mm-hmm. I heard you, you're only interviewing people named Sarah now from now on. on yeah, that's, that's a new. That's a teaser. Sarah. Yes. Yeah. That's actually my Hebrew name. Maybe there's a connection. Is that right? Okay. Yes. So before joining Cannabis, one of Sarah Chase's professional roles was working for the actor Alan Alda, that's the right. infamous Hawkeye Pierce of Pier- Hawkeye Pierce and Mash, right? And so much, so many other things. But yes. And some. That's how I remember him watching MASH with my dad back in the 70s. I guess that's aging me. Anyways, <laughs> he actually listened to our show. And Alan Alda did. Alan Alda. Alan F. and Alda listened to our show. That's fantastic. And he sent her an email that she passed along. So these are the words that Alan Alda said. He said that, quote, he loved the episode and applauded our open and fun hosting style. Brava. <laughs> Thank you, Alan Alda. That's fantastic. I just love him. He's great in everything he does. And 
He apparently has good taste in podcasts. That's great. Apparently. And since Alan Alda thinks this is so great, I bet you would too. And if you want to keep the Cannon Mom conversation going, we are still running our campaign. It's winding up soon, but we need your help. You can check in the show notes for the link. It's on my website. We have books, we have mugs, we have lighters, we have pot pockets. And of course we have the multicolored cannabis scarf, which I actually think we could market as a pride scarf. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got, <laughs> it has a similar look and feel to it, I would say. It's got the vibe. So can of people out there, check it out. We, we need your support so we can keep telling these stories that even Alan Alda is inspired by. All right. And before we get to our guest today, I want to thank Girl Get That Money for making today's show possible. So transitioning to our guest today, from me to my guest. <laughs> so today's guest, she's joining us from Indiana. She brings her experiences as a healthcare attorney, corporate executive, entrepreneur, farmer, athlete, yogi, mother, daughter, sister, and partner and friend to create and scale businesses and products that support agricultural and personal regeneration. And she has taken this impressive skill set and her work ethic to add value to the emerging cannabis industry. She says that her newest business venture, Shift, is more than a product. It's an idea. It's a mentality. Today's guest goal and the goal of the company she's involved with is to help people fall in love with being alive, to co-create and transform regenerative systems, both in their own lives and on a larger scale. I am happy to welcome to the Cannamom Show, Sarah Cotterell. Welcome, my friend. Hello. I think you're our first Indiana. That would make sense if we're talking about cannabis. <laughs> so I guess before we begin, every state's different. What is the legal status in the state of Indiana? So cannabis in the traditional sense, marijuana is not legal in the state of Indiana in any way, shape or form at the moment. There's some discussion, there's some white paper studies, but it hasn't moved beyond that. We do have obviously CBD in those products and then the minor cannabinoids, the, the Delta-8s, the hemp-derived Delta-9, Delta-10, HHC are still being sold in Indiana, although the discussions are starting as to if we regulate that or not. So you, you don't even have a medical program? No, zero medical program, zero passage or, or really major support in the legislature for it. We had over 13 bills this past legislative session that sought to address it. And at the moment, the governor signaled he's not interested in doing a whole lot. But the the current white paper that they just did shows that economically it makes a lot of sense yes. for the state to move forward. And we're surrounded by states that have a program of one sort or another. So we're hopeful that it'll come in the next couple of years. And that's part of what we're working on, having those discussions and educating about you know the good it can bring. That's what we need your voices for. All right. So usually the women come into this industry, most of them have been at least in a medical state. So this is going to be a different conversation. So I always talk about transitions. I'm attorney myself. Although my friend who lives in Provincetown, talking about my pride scarf, she told me I shouldn't use the word transitions anymore because it confused her. So I say pivots. There you go. (laughs) It never occurred to me. But just this idea that you know, women our age, we've done a lot of things professionally. We've achieved things that we're told we probably shouldn't have been able to achieve because we have a vagina. That's sort of our world. And there we are. You're an attorney as well. And you've transitioned from different things, but now you're in cannabis. So how did this happen? And you're in a state that's not legal. So it's kind of how did you go from corporate lawyer to cannabis entrepreneur? Yeah, it's interesting. I think I would have been voted least likely in my high school class to be in the cannabis realm. But I started my career as a healthcare lawyer. 
on the corporate side of things, working with physicians and hospital systems. And at the same time, my daughter, when she was young, had some relatively minor health problems, but essentially ended up with candida and overgrowth of yeast in your system. And the traditional medical path wasn't treating it. You know, she doesn't have sinuses. They're telling me at a young age, she's, she's fine. Give her more antibiotics. How, how old was she at the time? She was like four. Oh, she was little. She was, okay, little. She was young still, but she was having all this, you know, obvious signs of something mm-hmm. was going on. And so after, you know, dealing with that for a couple of years, went on a, you know, a more holistic approach to try to solve the problem. That's when I figured out she had candida. I made her food for a year plus to get rid of it all in her system, got rid of it all. And so I always had that kind of in the back of my head in this healthcare world that there's more than what we're being told in our traditional medical system. And before that, because I often say that I'm a very Western traditional woman. I wear pearls. I play tennis and I didn't really understand. I just didn't understand what this was. And plant medicine Seemed a little voodoo-y to me, honestly. But now that I understand what it is and what our bodies, how they work, it's obvious. I just, it's, it's a hard transition, I think. So before this, did you have an understanding of how plant medicine worked in a human body? You were in the healthcare system. To some degree. I've been a yogi for a long time. Oh, okay. yeah. So that plays into it. My mom grew up on a farm, was always a big gardener, grew some vegetables, raised me on all organic vegetables. Uh, so you so, came from a healthy, yeah. I, I've had this sense of like, it's really important what we put in our bodies. Did I know all the the science behind it? No, but I had that appreciation for good food. And I had probably gotten away from it to some degree, just in the, like I used to never ever cook before my daughter had this and I would just arrange things on a plate so it looked like I cooked. Right, because it takes time. <laughs> it takes time. And I was working as you yeah. know, a lawyer a million hours. And at the law firm, they serve you dinner. So you never have to leave, except that, you know, when you have kids, you you do right. have to leave. But thankfully, yeah. they have the night secretary that can help you work at all hours. So I worked in a law firm for a while. Then I started on a passive path of in-house position. The last official lawyer position that I had was at a large physician group that we then sold to a large Fortune 6 company. And I ran that integration. And then I kind of turned around and went, this is not what I want to be when I grow up. Because I was the annoying person that would, at the doctor's meetings, take away the donuts and some of those things and substitute them for slightly healthier things or add fruit. And you had some physicians that were like, yes, this is great. And others that were like, are you where's my donut? And it wasn't just because of that. It was, it was a whole bunch of things, but it was, I mean, how many women were you working with at the time? Were there, was it um, women you know, or not? I mean, healthcare seems to have more women in it. Healthcare had more women. So that I, I wouldn't say that it was completely male dominated. I would say a lot of the executive positions had more men in them, but not so heavily skewed. No, I think it's it's a, it's a culture thing. I mean, when I was working, they said, you can't do your job at home. Like literally, you can't do your job at home, right? Mm-hmm. And the women, I don't know. I think we kind of did it to each other at some level. Like when you left or someone left to have a baby and they came back and they gave them a smaller office, we're like, yeah, that seems right. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, it was a bad mindset. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, I learned early on in my law firm career to just not to say I had a kid event or, you know, something for my child, but to say, Oh, I have a long-standing prior engagement. Right. And 
leave it at that, which is unfortunate because I'm really a believer that you need to bring your whole self to work. And someday that is my child is sick. Someday that is, I don't feel good. Some days that's just, I I, I don't have it all. And other right. days you come with a whole bunch of, of exactly. gusto. All right. So um, you're in the, so you're in this world, you're doing your thing. How old your daughter? My kids were in elementary school. Okay. So you're point, elementary and middle school. So you've been doing it for a bit. Okay. So, what- so I've been doing it for a while. And then, you know, really just had this sense that I had to do something different and had a little bit of help from the universe. However, that is, you know, some things fell into place. And so I left and took almost a year. I did a few legal jobs here and there for people helping friends out and really didn't do much of anything other than looking for what was interesting. Okay. And, you know, my sister was going, you need to go teach yoga. You need to go do this. You know, like, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to have lunch with people. I'm going to meet with people that are interesting. I'm going to travel some. And, you know, I'm grateful that I had the ability to do those different pieces and parts. And my number one thing at that point, and I still live by it today, is don't do anything that feels heavy. Mm. It doesn't mean you don't work hard. But if there's a like heaviness and you just know. That's an interesting way of putting it. I understand that. Um, Yeah. You don't do it. And so I had opportunities that would come up and I'd get close to doing them. And I'm like, nope, that's not it. And so, I, so at this point, do you have a connection with cannabis yet? Are you a consumer? Do you not even part of your life? Not even yet, really. You know, so what year? So what year are we? Where? where what year and time are we? We are 2018. Okay, so all right. So I had my. So I say I had my cannabis awakening in 2016. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. 2018. So the world is starting to change now. The world is starting to change, and I mean, I was such a straight arrow that the only real time I had tried cannabis before that was when I went to Amsterdam and it was legal and it was not a great experience for me. Like I'd never smoked anything in my life. So I couldn't, you know, the like inhaling part was, you know, it just, I was in a foreign place. I like to be in control enough that it, it, that, that, that incentive of that must've been terrible. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't awful, awful, but it wasn't just, but but it could have been like a moment in a quiet space with candles and and being like feeling elevated instead of feeling maybe a little, yeah, I don't know. Out of, yeah. Out of sorts. Yep. I get it. And you know, just (laughs) growing up in the dare era and don't do drugs and this is your brain on drugs, all that, like, you know, that was still fresh enough in my, my being. And so just kind of, you know, went through life, actually um, traveled out to Montana. I've got some friends out there at the same time was getting really into this idea of regenerative agriculture and regenerative health. I've got some friends out there that are really into that. And like one of them lives in an earth ship, but totally off the grid house. Um, with a greenhouse in the front of, so it was all coming together wow. at at the same time, and this exposure to new ideas and the old plant medicine stuff starting to come up more into the forefront. And so, in that kind of year off, really at the end of it, I met someone here in Indiana that was getting into hemp. You know, hemp was just legalizing. The farm bill had just passed, right? Mm-hmm. And it started to check my buckets of like, okay, this is agriculture. We can do great things for the soil. It Health is so dependent on what you put in and on your bodies. Mm-hmm. Check, 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 check. And so he said, do you want to come work with me? And he went, okay. 
this is be this would be great. <laughs> you know, not knowing. And my parents are going, Are you are you sure? Are you hundred percent sure this is what you're gonna do? Everybody in my life is like, You're doing what? No. All right. So you're just, so you're kind of coming into it from a, so I always say I came into this for money, which is sort of the joke, but you came into this from a business angle, right? It wasn't because so many of my, I mean, I'm going to say almost all of the women I interview here have a health story. That's really where they're coming to this from, but you're coming from, you started the business idea or as a, from a, a business idea and as much a personal passion and a mission. Yeah. Yeah. And a real desire for like, how can I use my skill set? What do I get really excited about doing? And how can I amplify what's going on? Like, I, I feel like a lot of what I do and can do is act as a lighthouse and shine mm-hmm. the light on those good pieces and parts. And so hemp is one of those tools. If we could help farmers transition their ground to a more regenerative way of growing, and I could be a part of that. Yeah. And ripple out from there is really what got me excited about getting into it. That is exciting. All right. So you are thinking this is going to, what did you think you're going to do in this industry? Well, we started out working with farmers. About doing business development? Is that what you're thinking? Doing, to help them, like farmers that were interested in Indiana to start to help them grow everything from fiber to seed to CBD, and then had a couple of our own. And so we actually, were you working like with compliance part or like what, what were you actually doing? doing like everything is a small startup company. I mean, it everything. was like, there were days when I was, you know, starting to seed entrepreneur starts and to, you know, plant and to help with all the logistics pieces of this needs to happen next. And, you know, are we making the compost tea and da, 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 da. So, so I am. That's interesting. So you start out as a farmer. I mean, I have, <laughs> yeah, I started out as a farmer and with, I mean, I have a large home garden, but other right. than that, you know, I didn't have any real so skills. Okay. So going back to the, I'm not an agriculture person, but I'm learning and I'm actually growing my own this year. And so did you know about the feminization of the plants? Did you know any of that part, just the unique qualities of the hemp or um, plant? Yeah. Not the way somebody that has worked with it for 20 years knows. You just have that innate knowing at some sense. But I learned it both from talking to people and then kind of the voracious consumer of information. And so a ton of research, a ton of books, a ton of reading, a ton of talking to people. But I still have like real respect for the people that really know the plant and really understand the plant and that is not me and I try to get better at it each time but you're um, open it's a growth mindset that's very I mean I hear this a lot with these women I was on a podcast last night with an old school person who had been growing a lot and she asked me what I thought about this idea that she had that people didn't understand and my response was what do you care what I think you've kept this product right I don't know anything mm-hmm. if you have an idea that I don't understand but you've been doing this go with it my god the understanding of the terpenes and the profiles and the I thought yeah. that was so funny. I'm like, yeah, this is something you know. Own it because everybody, everything in this industry is specialized. Okay, so you come into hemp, you're doing this kind of work. So you, but you've moved into a different kind of business. So now you're doing a company called Shift, which is a product, okay. right? Mm-hmm. All right, can you just talk about like what that is and what you're doing with that and how it's connected to the hemp world that you're in? Sure. So in in the growing, you start to get more and more familiar with the products that are out there, what isn't out there, what people want, what they don't want, and then also finding a placement for the products that you grew. And so we looked around 
with the ship-specific product about a year ago and said, okay, there's chocolate out there, but there isn't really good chocolate out there or widespread really good. I'm sure there's some that I haven't tasted. But And, and again, do you, do you know anything about chocolate? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Other than I like it. Yeah. <laughs> On the dream. Okay. <laughs> so we said, well, you know, there's always room for a better product. And that's what we sought to create. So we have Shift Edibles and Shift has Delta 8, Delta 10, and then Hemp Derived Delta 9 that can go into the states like Indiana that don't have a um, regulated cannabis or THC market at the point. And where, and, and actually, where can you sell these? Where can you sell these products? We sell them online. Okay. So we sell them through our website and then we sell them to various retailers in Indiana and then actually around the country. Okay. But they're not just in like, because, well, you don't have dispensaries. So it's not dispensaries. We're in like specialty grocery stores here. They are in some of the big cannabis, the CBD stores and the vape stores. They do really well actually in like gyms and health food stores. Oh, that's interesting. Um, People get to understand it a little bit more. And then we have a regular online business. Right. So I love, so I talked to a lot of people, the idea of hemp, like I feel like hemp could save our country. We know we could transfer from carbon to cannabis if we could get this part going. And the farmers seem like they do want to grow it, but we don't seem to have an infrastructure. So it's nice to hear people like you are saying, okay, I have a product that I need to sell and I can connect with the farmers and I can create the whole infrastructure right here. That's pretty awesome. So how's that worked out? How's that been working for you? <laughs> You know, it's been a learning process. If I told you it was, yeah. you know, that would be the biggest lie of the, you know, year. It's been a lot of ups and downs. And I have learned a lot because as a lawyer, you don't get into deep operations and you don't get into deep logistics. And so I've learned a lot about manufacturing, you know, chain of custody all the way through and making sure you're meeting all of these pieces and parts and compliance standards, because we're really trying to do things on the clean side in the way that we think they'll be regulated in the future. So all of our stuff is made in a food grade facility. It's all GMP. We're following all of those safety protocols and procedures, the FISMA rules, which are, are not minor to... I mean, just because you, so you are an attorney, a lot of this regulation, the compliance part is really, really, really tricky. And no one seems to know what they're doing. And if you go to an attorney who doesn't really understand the minutia or specialty of this, I think people are getting in trouble. But then people are just ignoring it altogether and pretending like they don't need the lawyers and they don't need to, you know, go with compliance because that's how they've done it. And they're not going to be able to transition. Uh, so I was on a can of law conference two weeks ago. And, you know, it was scary to be on there because the lawyers kept talking about all the terrible things that are going to happen because that's what they think about all day long. <laughs> so, right. So you understand this. You're jumping into this. It's not like I want to make a chocolate bar. You're like, you could actually see what it was going to be like and you keep doing it. I mean, you're, you're, you're creating a path, I imagine, for other people too. Yeah, and it's interesting. There are days I honestly think that if we were in the regulated THC market, it would be easier. When you're dealing with the Delta 8s, Delta 10s, all these other things, it's like, can we or can't we? Is it going to be legal today and not tomorrow? What's the state legislature going to do? So there are a whole bunch of questions. And in a lot of the cannabis states, you at least know it's it's very clearly laid out what can right. I mean, but that that is a confusing part. It's a, and even that what is the, you know the delta not, the other the, it's science. This is a science. This isn't a belief system, and we're creating these new cannabinoids or whatever we're doing chemically. But 
out of a weird necessity because we already have something that works. So I, I, it's a weird place we found ourselves, I think, with these kind of like loophole deltas. It is a weird <laughs> place. And it's, I mean, it, a lot of it is, I always say, follow the money. Yeah. Right. And so why it's regulated and how it's regulated is very closely tied. And I think that's one of the things um, that we're learning and doing in advocacy is while we can talk about the health benefits all day long, when you go and talk to the people that are making the vote to adopt or change a law, they really have to know about the economics of it. And how does that make sense? What's it going to do economically to, to our state? How's it going to bring in dollars? How are those dollars going to be used? How is it going to help us retain jobs and bring jobs in? And, oh, if it makes people healthy, like, that's a benefit. I think there's an economic piece tied back to that, right? Like, if you can help with mental health, if you can help with physical health, you're not going to have some of those costs on the system. But it's it's creating that bridge in thought that we're doing both in our product and in our other discussion. So I love the politics park. So you are actually trying to be a voice that is um, influencing how these decisions are being made. You know, it's taken me a little bit of time to really feel like I knew enough mm-hmm. and was ready to step into that. But that's, a, um, that's such a woman thing to do, because I will say actually, <laughs> I did the same thing. I had to learn the entire industry before I actually even stepped in. But men are be like in a bar one night and be like, I think I'm going to go to cannabis. And they're like, OK. And they'll get investment. All right. So you, again, whoever's whispering in the ears of the politician is going to be a big deal in this, which is partly the power of the can of moms. I think that we are, as a movement or as a group of people who are trying to save the next generation and keep this earth going, we're motivated in a really powerful way, especially if we know what's going to heal us or our kids. So you are stepping forward and doing this. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I have loved about being in the cannabis industry is there are so many women in it and women that I have found that I can actually trust mm. and count on and that are willing to come together and build that network and figure out how to work together, which is just, again, trying to build something different. That's why I'm in this. It's an opportunity to do something differently. And it's from health and wellness. I like that you talk about that. The Rachel, the Knox doctors out on the West Coast, they talk about the cannabis health equity movement. This is about health equity across the board for everyone. It frustrates me that politicians are still focused on just one thing, <laughs> the money, but that is what it is. But you're doing education as well, right? So you're trying, again, all, all the women I'm talking to are like education is such a priority because they know how this changes hearts and minds by getting, you know, we're giving access to information that's real. People have to decide on their own if they're going to accept it or not, but they're putting it out there. So I know you said you're doing some pop-ups. What are you doing out there to get the word? and change hearts and minds with stories and yeah we are good we do a lot of things locally where we have groups that get together and we just educate people on what it is and how to use it like Um, what are you talking about what are you talking about specifically and what are people asking about i guess you know we still have people that don't know anything about delta 8 that don't know anything about delta 10 that don't know that you can have hemp derived delta 9 that just say you know that have the experience of I tried this for the high. And so we started to talk about it's it's a lot about set and setting and it's how what you want your product to do, what you want that experience to be. And then you figure out which product is right so for our, you. So our, 
are people coming to you? Like a lot of my friends, they have pain. They have like, you know, they have some arthritis. They can't sleep. They have anxiety, like all the things that we're all talking about. So are people coming to you? And this is very personalized medicine. That's the other thing we talk about a lot, especially if you're taking other medications in you know, your source. What are you getting? Where are you getting it from and how are you using it? So what are, what are you finding? Is it just the same kind of conversation you're having with people? It is the same kind of conversation. And it's so I would say I have younger folks that take it for anxiety or ADHD. Uh, when you take it for ADHD, it's almost like putting on glasses, right? And that's part of the ADHD is a lack of dopamine in your mm-hmm. system. And so the cannabis applies dopamine mixed with the serotonin, which makes it a nice little amount. How much you take is totally personalized. Same thing for anxiety. I I love that part about connecting because I do think it allows people to get through a little bit of that social anxiety and maybe go to a dinner or event or something that they otherwise wouldn't have, have done. Yeah. I, uh, that's kind of, the th- I mean, cause you can't, so you can't recommend anything with THC in it. So you only recommend, that's interesting with the products you can use. Up there. Well, we do have the hemp derived Delta nine, right? So it okay. has less than 0.3% THC right. in what it has. And at the moment that's, that's okay. We don't have a deep product suite in that yet because it's still a relatively new product. But our most popular product is really our Delta 8 chocolates for, well, for a certain segment, for the people that want to relax, the people that can't, can't fall asleep, can't stay asleep. I had mm-hmm. so many people that they can't stay asleep. They can't stay asleep. In really a big set in the 70 plus crowd mm-hmm. um, that says, I can't stay asleep. And so I'll you know, have a piece of chocolate, basically go to bed. They could care less if they feel any sort of high or euphoria. They just want to sleep until eight in the morning. Right. And I even had people that say, I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep and I took a chocolate and I fell back to sleep. And the people that then will call and say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how tired I was until I started getting even just a couple of good nights of sleep. I think so, that's so universal. Even like, you know, our generation, the way we worked, we just felt crappy all the time and assumed that's what it was like. Like we had no choice. And then one day you don't. And mm-hmm. it's like a miracle. You're like, what? I don't have to feel this way. Right. And I've had a bunch of people that have had surgery, you know, and they're like, I need, I need the chocolate. Like it's the only, it helps with pain. It helps with sleep again. So it's been really fun to be a part of that. We're going to come back in a minute, but I have this funny, so I have a friend of mine, still a lot of my friends are kind of questioning what I do. And she was like whispering to me. She's like, oh, like I had like a small dose of this little thing. I'm like, you don't have to whisper. (laughs) (laughs) It's legit. So Again, there's still the stigma and I'm glad that I can talk about it and you're talking about it. And But I do have to take a break. So we're going to be back with our friend, our guest, Sarah Cotterell, after we thank our sponsor, Khadijah Adams and Girl Get That Money. Girl Get That Money's founder, Khadijah Adams, is an author, business empowerment coach, entrepreneur, accredited investor, and motivational speaker who is driven by her mission to empower, guide, and educate amazing women. Whether you need help creating your business plan or help funding your business idea, Girl Get That Money is ready to empower you by providing the resources for your optimal success. With Girl Get That Money, you'll learn how to build a profitable company from scratch or scale an existing one by leveraging technology and automation tools. Khadijah understands what it takes to succeed. Her business empowerment coaching program has helped entrepreneurs grow into thriving businesses that provide value for others and themselves. 
Cadiz's coaching program is designed to equip entrepreneurs with the tools necessary to take advantage of the opportunities in this evolving cannabis industry. Reach out to Girl Get That Money today and gain the edge that sets you apart and aids you in becoming a thriving canna entrepreneur. Okay, Indiana. We did talk a little bit about Indiana. So you have kids. How old are your kids? I have kids. They're teenagers. They're almost 17 and 14. All right. Oh, that's a good age. All right. So you are not, you don't have a can of history. A lot of the women I talk to, they've been, you know, since their kids were little, it's part of their medication that kids just know all about it. So how do you, how does this work with you? Like, what did your family think? And so my joke is that I had a cannabis awakening in 2016 when I went to Denver. Our kids were teenagers. We came home and we told the kids everything we knew about cannabis was wrong. They were psyched. (laughs) And it moved forward from there. So what has it been like in your household? So we've had a lot of education, a lot of discussions. You know, I, I made them read a whole bunch from The Emperor Has No Clothes or Wears No Clothes of the Jack Herrera. Oh, interesting. Like free book on hemp and cannabis. Oh, even, um, my mom made cannabis unfun. She made us read. Is that what? <laughs> I know. And that's why. I, and I talked to him, too, about the, you know, there are studies out there and who the study. So, but how, so how, actually, so how old were they when you started talking about this because you weren't you were new to the industry so they were still kind of middle school that okay um seventh eighth grade and fourth fifth grade so they they were new and you know I'd come like covered in hemp leaves to school when I pick them up and you know smelling like it and I made them oh yeah that's, that was, that's I, interesting so that, that's because I used to say I could go I could stop at the liquor store before I go to daycare like that was fine but I couldn't come in smelling like smoke or anything so that's interesting so you have one of the moms that smells do you get in trouble well because I came <laughs> off the, I, I was growing it so it came off the field I know I know and so I made them go to the farm and help and they've you know <laughs> brimmed flour they've done all these crazy things that's and awesome. um so they know it's a plant they really know they, about it yeah. they know it's a plant they really know about it they've seen it grow they've watched me juice it you know I've done all sorts of experiences yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That and the other. We've talked about some of the studies that are out there that talk about IQ and are those good studies? Are they bad studies? Do we know to take for them? Is it one in a million? Is it a fear tactic? Is it legit? Wow. So we've we've gone that whole thing. They don't have health or other issues right now that I think they need to be medicating. You know, we've talked about the same thing with alcohol. Like, why do people use this sometimes at a young age? Is it to escape? Mm-hmm. And what are you escaping from? So we've had a whole wide variety. Wow. And, and so before you actually got into the industry, had you had discussions with them that it was not a good thing or just was it like just something it wasn't talked about? They were just young enough. We didn't really yeah. okay. talk about it yeah. much. But I have talked to them about like, I grew up in this way. I think we need to look at things differently. And my message to them has always been question everything, which sometimes... I don't like back, it. It'll come back at you. <laughs> we know that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, shoot, why are you following my advice? But unfortunately, in Indiana, we've had quite a few instances where we've had fentanyl-laced marijuana because there isn't a safe place you know, yeah. to buy it. And so I've talked to the kids, too, about if it's something that you feel like you have to try, you know, I, I'm not endorsing that at this point in time but you better know where you're getting it from who's growing it if it's something you feel like you have to have to have to try let's talk about it because I know where my whole supply comes from and you know I've got samples and this and that and whatever in the house just because I run a business and at this 
point, they're not super interested. And I think it's because it is so accessible. Exactly. So it's, it's not so overly taboo that they're like, That's what I keep saying, that the kids who grew up with this, they don't care. It's mom and dad's thing. They know what it is. You've made it torturous probably for them at some level because they've had to learn about it and talk to you about it. (laughs) And, you know, and they know what to ask. You know, what's the terpene profile? You know, is this going to make me tired? I have gym practice later. You know, whatever. They actually have legit questions instead of like back in the day, you get it like in a bag and it was like, I don't even know what it was. You didn't know what it was. Right. And I know people like I don't even keep Advil in my house. Yeah. Um, but I keep canvas in my house. And so it's, you know, what natural cures are are there and when do we need to use them? And so I I would like to think that they put them in those buckets, but I'm not naive enough to think that there won't be a time that they but they're, they're people just like you. But that's but again, we're we're crushing the stigma by just being open. It's like, you know, the parents who are in the bathrooms or like in the garages and and coming back to set and setting, if you need to have a little medication, you need to relax because you have to take care of your kid and you're very stressed out, hanging out in the bathroom or hanging out in your garage and taking a puff and trying to hope no one smells you is very stressful. As mm-hmm. opposed to having a set and setting where you're like, I need, you know, like a beer. People are allowed to have beers. Come home, have a hit or two, relax, reset yourself, and then go forward and do what you need to do. That's what moms have always been doing. And if we can do it without the, the stigma and the, you know, Mm-hmm. everyone will be healthier, which is, you know, where you are at this point. All right. So you got the business, you got the kids. So what are you doing? So, and you're doing some, pol- you know, policy stuff, outreach. What else are you doing in Indiana? What is, what's coming up for you? Well, I'm also doing some things on the processing and sale of more raw materials that I've gotten into. So um, selling crude, selling isolate, Oh, really? Um, I've got a partnership where we're working on some other little food supplements. Okay. Um, and expanding the line. I've got non-psychedelic mushroom chocolate that's coming. Mushrooms are big. Yeah. So we've got some health foods to that and a, a different one that's got sea moss in it. So just really trying to be that bridge into cannabis and bridge out of cannabis both ways in and out of health. So are you are you just doing food products? Are you doing any salves, that sort of thing? We do have a salve. It's under a different company name. Okay. And that is an amazing product. It's like it, the gateway. It's like my mom's friends. My mom didn't believe me, but I would bring little packages of different products and they were like, it was a gateway to the next thing because they recognized that it, their hands stopped hurting or they just didn't have the pain that they thought they had to have all the time. And it seems that, it, yeah, so those are good for you. Yeah. And it was funny you say that because I think it sat on my mom's counter for like six weeks before she tried it and she'd be complaining. I've got it back. I've got it. Finally, she put it on and she's like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. <laughs> everybody, everybody in my life. No one believes me. My mother doesn't believe me. I'm, I'm not making this up again. It shouldn't, you know, kind of coming back to health and wellness. It's unfortunate that it's been the place where women go for the last resort when they're desperate. That's pretty much the universal story I'm hearing, which is why they're coming forward now to be the people they needed and show that it it might not be the thing that fixes everything, but it has to be part of the option. And it has to not be the, the last resort. You shouldn't have to be desperate to come to this plant medicine. You shouldn't. And I feel like we have to do, we each have to do our next right thing. And I really don't try to shove it down people's throat. I talk to the people that are curious and where you see that little opening 
and even just to plant the seed. And then they come back and then they come back. And what's cool is we now have conversations that are much more than just cannabis, because what I think cannabis allows you to do in some ways is connect not only to other people like we talked about, but to yourself. So if you can get that moment of quiet or less pain, you can start to figure out how do I get to the root? Like what's what's causing this? You get to reflect not only the things you're you're grateful for, but the things you're like, oh, maybe that gives me some insight into I can make this change and I could get off the Advil or I could maybe I'm sleeping more and that's a great thing. Maybe I'm going to fuel my body differently. And so it starts to be this awesome invitation into a much greater world of health and well-being. Amen. That is what I think too. I mean, you're, but you're a yogi person. So had you been, do you integrate that into your practice now? Does it make that, have you found a difference? I do from time to time. I feel like some of it for me with yoga is I really need to practice being straight in the prison and deal with, with what I've got without any other substances. But there, there are times and I feel like in some ways breathing can give you a lot of the same relief that cannabis can, and you'd have to learn how to do that as well. I mean, I'm in the middle of a five-day water fast. At the oh. moment. So I'm always experimenting and doing different things. So you're in it. So actually, I have a question because you were in the mainstream healthcare world. So what is, again, doctors talk to doctors, nurses seem to talk to nurses. There seems to be more of a movement on the nurse side than the doctor side. But do your mainstream doctor people, the people that you actually knew, what do they think of this? Do you see a movement out there in Indiana in terms of, I know it's hard for them to accept it because they don't know what the endocannabinoid system is, but do you see any shifts out there? I, I wish I could say it's shifting faster here. I think doctors are starting to get a little bit more educated, I think, on the side. Or they're all kind of going like, or you could try cannabis. I mean, that seems uh, what it is. Even, yeah, it's, that's what it seems like it still is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're all supportive of it. Like nobody has said to me, I hate cannabis and I think it's terrible and it doesn't work at all. You do get people that are still fear, fearful. And I think there's still some of that stigma of if everybody's always going to smoke a joint, then they're going to be less productive members of society. And we've got people in society that just are going to be more productive and aren't. And people are taking a lot of opiates and taking a lot of pain medications aren't really being very productive. You know, if you don't feel good, you're not functioning well. And I keep saying this, once we heal ourselves, we can heal the world. And you know, the, we're the caregivers. We're the caregivers of ourselves and we're the caregivers of others. So we have to take care of ourselves. And that's where the plant comes in because she's a caregiver. That's how I think of her. It is. And I saw something or I heard something really interesting and I won't get this site exactly correctly, but it talked about like, if you're using cannabis, maybe it drops your IQ for that period of time, like five points. But if you have three or four different things going on in your phone, like you're checking Instagram and you're checking email and you're answering text messages that drops your IQ 10 points. So absolutely. Social media is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm a grown woman and I feel bad if I don't get enough likes. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a strange place. I'm a Gen Xer. This is yeah. All right. I used to feel bad that I couldn't multitask because we were supposed to do so many things at once back in the day. And I used to feel, I feel like I was a failure because I couldn't, but now I know that's the real deal. No one can do many things at one time. Your brain wants to do one thing and then do another. It does. And if you're focused on something, you're kind of in that state of flow and you get interrupted. The research shows that it takes 23 minutes to come back to that fully. So when we talk about our attention stealing and attention grabbing, it does 
it does make sense and I'm terrible at it, but to just do one thing at a time. Yeah, I used to think it was a deficit. I think it's a good, but uh, the cannabis has helped me stay still. The women of my generation, we were doing a thousand things at once, trying to prove ourselves and look good and our heads were spinning. And then you added social media to all of this. I just, it was overwhelming. So I think cannabis has helped centered me and I see it helping my friends and the women in the business. And maybe as we become centered, we'll create new businesses that are better and have our values. I, I mean, that is something we haven't talked about yet. Just you know, you're running a new business and you're trying to do something that's a little bit different so that we can support a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It really is. And I, you know, I spent a lot of years in corporate culture and really push back against that in how I want to run my business because I, like we talked about earlier, I want people to show up as their whole selves. And I wanted to be a place where they're feeling a sense of that mission and purpose and excitement. And is every task you do at work exciting? No. But if you can get up each day and go, I, I know why I'm doing this and I believe in it, then we're going to be a better company. We're going to supply better products. And we really are going to have that ripple effect of regeneration, regrowth, reimagining. And every day is a balancing act. And so that's part of what we try to do is as a person and then as a company I try to say okay for the next three months what do we look at what does our balancing act look like and we know what's out of balance what isn't what to bring back in and try to approach it that way and conscientious business development conscientious business development and you know create this there does have to be some structure I have learned when I came out of law I was like oh I can't deal with any of that well that creates a whole another set of issues but how do we create that structure and then flow within it exactly exactly think of the world in a different way oh my god thank you so much for joining us sarah so if our um guests want to find your product where they find it and what is the best way to get in touch with you sure if you go to shiftedibles.com, you will see our website or on instagram we're at ship next level And then I have a separate Instagram page if anybody wants to reach out to me, which is I am Sarah Cotterill, which is S-A-R-A-H-C-O-T-T-E-R-I-L-L. And I'd love to hear from anybody or connect up or answer questions. It'll all be in the show notes because that is what we do. All right. Another show. So for my guest and my canna bro, David Jazz, and of course, our canna mom show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to The Cannabom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is The Cannabom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. 
I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.